0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Blank Report. Today, we are going to do another segment on the KC Sports Report, and I'm going to start it off with Patrick Mahomes, who recently became a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Mahomes has baseball in his blood as his dad was a Major League pitcher and mainly pitched for the Mets. So Mahomes has been around a Major League Baseball clubhouse, and he has been super involved in the Kansas City community and wanted to be a part of the Royals organization as an owner because it's in his blood. He understands the game. He loves the game. He was even drafted by the Detroit Tigers. So he has a love for baseball, and he's trying to make his mark on the Kansas City community. And by doing so, he is winning Super Bowls, winning games, and even becoming a part owner of another team in Kansas City. He he loves it here, and he wants to continue to make his mark and do great things here in Kansas City. Next up, we're going to stick with the Royals. And I'm gonna break down the first few series that they have had this season. I will say this, the first few series were completely disgruntling as they started out three and ten before they got on their four game win streak. But I'm gonna focus on the three and ten start. I think the one thing that was super frustrating was that you saw the bats were just so inconsistent. You saw them be able to score runs early, but when you need them to score late, they were dead and In baseball, you need to be able to score when your team needs you most. And it's just been frustrating when you see your bats and look at the lineup and know that you get to a certain point. These guys can score runs at a high level, but they aren't scoring when they're coming up. So it was frustrating at the very beginning to see the lack of situational hitting and the lack of awareness to keep them in games. And there were games that they should have won. They should not have lost two games against Detroit. They should have won all those games they were leading in those two games that they lost. And they've got to be better. And continuing with their rough start at 3-10, and 10, you now have to look at the Royals' defense, which is shocking. Because they have always been at the top of the league for the least amount of errors. The past three or five years, they've been the best in the league in errors and had the least amount. Right now, they're dead last with 16 errors. Right now, the Royals are second to last in errors with 17 on the season in 17 games. And that's not Royals baseball. The Royals played their best baseball in 2014 and 2015 by playing small ball and having the best defense. They're not doing that. They hadn't been doing that because they weren't getting runners on base and stealing the bunting them over. Then their defense has not been good at all outside of Whit Merrifield and Alex Gordon. It's been frustrating to watch because the one thing that you should never have to worry about with Kansas City Royals baseball is the defense. And now it's a worry. It's sad because with Ned Yost, this team was an elite defensive team. And they've got to get back to those ways. And they've got to cut down the airs and play clean defense, which they have been doing a lot more often since they are now on this four-game winning streak. But it can't just be when they're winning ballgames. They've got to keep the constant strong defense throughout the rest of the year. So, you got to make sure that that's happening as well. But the frustrating part for me was I believe that Mike Matheny was not doing the best job with handling the bullpen. He has got to have better bullpen management and let his starters go longer because you saw guys come back like Junis only go four and a third. You got to let your starters go longer if they can do it. You got to have trust and faith in them, and you got to keep your bullpen rested. And healthy. But speaking about the bullpen. The bullpen has been by far completely shocking to me. Because they've actually been really solid. They have a sub 1.5 ERA when they come in in one run games. This bullpen has been shocking and has been terrific to watch. We have pieces like Trevor Rosenthal, Josh Stalmont, Holland, Barlow. These guys are pitching really well out of the bullpen. And it's been terrific to see. The bullpen performing well and showing their strengths. Because in 2014 and 2015, another key aspect of the Royals was a terrific bullpen. And the Royals bullpen is looking really good right now. And I'm really excited to see what they do the rest of the way. And hopefully they can keep it up and still have a great full season as that core. So that's really great to see so far. I will say this. I want to talk about a couple of notable... Outings, and I want to talk about Brady Singer and Chris Bubich. Singer just got his first win as a major leaguer yesterday against the Minnesota Twins. Singer has shown so much in his four starts. Yeah, he had a little bit of trouble giving up the home run ball, but that's going to happen. But yesterday, he didn't give up the home run. He only gave up two runs. He's shown a lot of movement with his off-speed, and he's shown terrific speed and power With his fastball hitting 95-96 constantly. I really like what Singer is doing. And him getting his first one as a major leaguer. is just a sign of what's to come. I'm extremely excited to see him go out and continue pitching the way he does. I also want to talk about Chris Bubich. Chris Bubich, in his first start, he gave up a three-run home run. And that was his only runs. He looked solid after that home run. He settled down. He looked anxious. But ended well. His last start against the Cubs, he went six innings and gave up one run. He was terrific. And the Royals lost because of the offense. Bubich is a young guy. He's another piece of the bright future for the pitching staff for the Royals. And if he can continue to pitch like this, who knows where the Royals could go with him. He is really, really good. And he's shown that against a very talented lineup Of the Cubs who have Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber. This team has a ton of future pieces and Bubic is showing that he can be one of those top pieces for the future. But going back to Mike Matheny, in the first game against the Cubs, when Danny Duffy went six innings, that was the first time the Royals went six innings, A a starting pitcher went six innings, Matheny Was not trusting the bullpen or starting pitchers. He was relying too much on the bullpen. So he had to do better there. But ever since his four-game winning streak, he has really done a better job. But another issue that I had with him was the lineup management. The lineup management was pretty poor because he kept moving guys around. What you got to know as a manager is once you find a lineup and where guys can be most successful... Keep them there so they can get into rhythm. That's huge because if you can get into rhythm, the better the play, the better the results for the team. But I'm going to stick with some more notable returns, and that's going to be Jacob Junis. Jacob Junis came back and pitched well in his four and a thirds and then pitched well again in his second outing since he returning from the IL due to COVID-19. He's looked really good, and he has really shown that he can be one of those guys that can get some wins for the Royals on the mound. He didn't give up any home runs. He has had a lot of trouble, because last year he was dead last in home runs among starting pitchers giving up the most, but he hasn't given one up yet, and he's really showing that he has learned from his mistakes and can be a big piece of the rotation. But arguably one of the Royals' best pitchers over the past couple seasons, Brad Keller, also returned. Keller has pitched one outing, went five innings, and gave up no runs and got the win. Keller looked good in his first appearance. It's great to have Keller back, and I'm excited for what this rotation does because you now have your rotation set for the rest of the year now that they're healthy. It's going to be Duffy, Singer, Bubich, Junis, and Keller. I don't know the exact order that Matheny's going to go in because he might want to change it up, but overall, I really like the experience Of having Junis, Keller, and Duffy. But also you're adding in Boobich and Singer. Who are getting those valuable, those really valuable Major League reps and opportunities. And it's really nice to see. But I also want to give the Royals credit for how they handled the Chris Boobich situation. Because when the time they called him up. This year does not count as a full service year for the amount of time he'll be on the roster. So that's huge to have him for another service year after having multiple reps this year in the starting rotation that he's going to get. But I also want to mention a notable return yesterday, and that was Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier was one of the key pieces of the lineup last year. And yesterday, he came up clutch in the first inning, giving the Royals an early uh, 2-0 lead with an RBI single in the bottom of the first. So that was huge to have him back. And now the team is really showing their strengths now that they're fully healthy. Not that the Royals are healthy, You could see them try to make a run at at least being a contender for one of those final two spots in the playoffs. So you see the Royals fighting and playing better baseball. And I'm really excited to see what they do the rest of the year. But now I want to focus on this four-game winning streak because, gosh, they have looked good. You've seen the bats get going. You saw them put up 13 runs on the Cubs, nine on the Twins on Saturday night. But also, they're getting runs when they need them. The Royals had a 3-2 lead yesterday. And Michael Franco just hits his fourth home run of the year. To add insurance. And that's just perfect. Because the Royals needed those bats. They need those runs in critical moments. So they can be put in those situations. To win games. And be in games late. And that's terrific to see. But also, the pitching has looked really good. You've seen... Not just the bullpen, but the starters, they're looking a lot better. You saw Singer go five innings yesterday, give up two runs. Keller go five innings, no runs. The pitching has looked good. The bullpen has looked good. Rosenthal has gotten two saves, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing. The fielding has been better, really clean. They made one error yesterday on a pickoff from Singer, but those are going to happen from time to time. But the fielding has gone better. The hitting has gone better. The pitching has gone better. You're seeing them really come together as a team now that all big pieces are back from the injured list. It's really nice to see to have the team playing better now. I will say this. The top performers for me have got to be Salvador Perez, who has the most hard-hit balls in Major League Baseball with 29. He's batting over 300. He has a couple home runs. He's starting to swing the bat really well has hit three home runs in the past four games. He's swinging the bat really well. He has struggled with his timing early on, but his timing has really improved and he's starting to get to that mid-season form where the players have had to be at the start. So, Solaire's getting there. Whit Merrifield is always going to be a key piece. His versatility, his ability to get on base is huge, and he's just proved that throughout this year. Mondesi is starting to get going, and I'm going to say my surprise player for the start of the season has been Michael Franco. Franco, we've known when he, the, he signed with the Royals that he had the ability to hit for power really well. But he was a liability in the field. He has made some nice... Yes, he has made errors in the field. We've seen him, especially on his throws. But he has made some very clean plays at third. And his bat has been huge for the Royals. Four home runs. He's really proving that that deal that he signed was a smart deal and he's really proving to the league that he is not just a power hitter, that he has improved in the field and that he can become more of a pa- constant power hitter because last year he batted 234 with 17 home runs. It was really a lot of strikeout home run situations for Michael Franco last year and it, it's showing that he's getting more consistent, less strikeouts, more getting on base. So if he can do that, he could be a valuable piece at DH... Or even at third if he continues to improve on his fielding. So I'm really liking what he's been doing. The bullpen, like I said, has been completely shocking. And has looked really good. I want to see them keep it up. But the Royals are in a groove. It sucks that they have an off day today because that could hurt their rhythm. But if they can go into Cincinnati and take both games, that'd be huge. This team is looking really good. And if they can keep the momentum going... Watch out, because this team could make some noise and contend for one of those final two playoff spots when the end of the regular season comes. But I want to give credit where credit is due to Mike Matheny. These past few games, he has done so much better with his management of the pitching in the bullpen. He's letting his guys go those extra innings. He could have pulled Singer in the middle of the fourth yesterday, but he let him finish it out. He let... He let... Gubic go six innings. He's letting his starters go as long as they can go and still be successful. He's done much better with the bullpen. Like yesterday, he let Stalmont go two innings. And that's good to see because he has not been letting those guys go those longer outings. He's done a lot better with his bullpen management. But also his lineup management has improved as well. Looking at Alberto Mondesi, you have to see that he struggled in the two-hole. And then... Matheny moved him down to 5-6, had two good games, moved him back up and struggled. Now he's sitting at that 5 spot and starting to hit really well. You've seen Soler getting adaptive to his new position at the 2-hole. You're seeing Salvi at the 3 and now Dozier at the 4. The rhythm is starting to kick in for these guys. Matheny was doing a lot of jumbling players in and out of different spots in the lineup. But now that he's really settled it in and just plotted guys in when he wants to give some guys an off day or with Dozier coming back, you're seeing the lineup do better, more runs, more production. And it's really nice to see that he is letting these guys get into rhythm because look what they're doing. They're putting up runs and they're getting some big wins. You asked me when the Royals started 3-10 if they were going to sweep the best team in the AL Central and one of the best teams in the entire MLB. I would have said no. But the team is looking really good, and I'm excited to see what they do against Cincinnati, who is an up-and-coming team. But now we're going to shift focus from the Royals, but they do return to action tomorrow against the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati. They are 7-10. and Chris Bubich will be on the mound for his third start, going against Luis Castillo of the Reds. It's going to be the Royals facing off against Mike Moustakis, for the first time since he was traded to Milwaukee. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he performs against the Royals and what is what it's like to see him performing against the Royals in a different uniform. So I'm excited to see that as well, but the Royals are on fire and they can really keep it going if they can get the pair of wins against Cincinnati this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. But now we're going to move into some Kansas City Chiefs news. And I'm going to start out with the opt-outs from the team. The NFL had their opt-out period, and a total of 69 NFL players opted out. The Chiefs had three. The first one was starting right guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. The second one was starting running back Damian Williams. And the most recent one was rookie and third-round draft pick from this year's NFL draft, Lucas Niang. Tardif, I completely understand his reasoning. He is staying in Canada- to work at, as an orderly in a long-term care facility to help people recover from COVID-19. You, I give him a ton of credit because he's been known as a doctor, as he is a McGill Medical Institute graduate, and he is really putting that to use and to help people. So, of course, he's going to be missed, but I completely understand his reasoning. Then Damien Williams decided to opt out as his mom has been recently diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and he wants to spend time with his family over the the next few months of the season while the season's going on and you got to completely respect it when you have guys who have family first you got to respect it because even though as journalists and as fans we don't like to admit it but there are things much bigger than football their lives aren't about sports and it's not just in football it's in every sport not everything is about their sport there are things that are bigger than him and bigger than the athlete. And you see that with Damian Williams opting out for his family to spend time with his mother while she is recovering and fighting uh her stage four cancer. For Lucas Dieg, I never saw a full reason why he opted out, but I respect it for his health. So we're the Chiefs are just gonna have to wait to see what he does in twenty twenty one as a rookie then. He has been noticed as a tackle and a guard. His size at 6'7 over 300 pounds would be a terrific piece at guard as the Chiefs have one of the best tandems in the NFL at the offensive tackle position, in my opinion. So, the Chiefs just have to wait to see what Niang is made of in 2021. But, I'm going to go on the effects of these moves and these opt-outs. The Chiefs signed Kalechi Osemele from the Jets after the opt-out of... LDT and you know this was a really smart move because you've seen Osemele really be a terrific piece on an offensive line when healthy he's a two-time pro bowler he's also been an all-pro so you've seen a lot from him he played with the Jets last year but he could be a potential upgrade from LDT as he is coming off of the worst year of his career and it's not going to be playing in 2020 Osemele he said he's healthy and he's ready to go. And when he's healthy, he's proved that he can be a terrific guard, an all-pro and a Pro Bowl guard. So I'm excited to see what he is made of. And all since 2012, his entire career, he has not had a season where he has had over eight penalties. He is a very disciplined guard. He's a very good offensive lineman. If he can stay healthy... He can be a key piece for the line to protect Mahomes and open up opportunities for first-round pick Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the running game. So I'm excited to see what Assembly does with the Chiefs this year to fill the void that is left from the LDT opt-out. But for Damian Williams' opt-out, what it really does is open up the opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. First-round pick, and I think... He CEH is a terrific piece for the Chiefs. He really fits that system super well. Hard runner and is a three down back. He's also elusive. He can go out and catch passes out of the backfield. He is going to be a key piece for the offense this year. I'm going to say it. He is winning Offensive Rookie of the Year because he's just going to be a huge piece for the Chiefs. And I think he's going to have a terrific season. But also, this opens up opportunities for other guys in the backfield. You got DeAndre Washington who was signed and a former teammate of Patrick Williams at Texas Tech. So he could be a guy that comes in for those third down passes and gets those opportunities. Darrell Williams will be back. And Darwin Thompson, who never really got a full chance last year, could get more opportunities this year out of the backfield. But mainly, this is going to be for Hilaire as he is going to be the lead back. And honestly, this is nothing against Damian Williams, but I think his opt-out... In the end, may even help the running back room for one reason, and that's because it won't be as cluttered between the two. Looking at it on paper and looking at it on film, Edwards E'Laire is a better fit in the system than Damian Williams. Damian Williams has been terrific since the loss of Kareem Hunt. He was huge in that Super Bowl run and was terrific in the Super Bowl, but he doesn't fit the system as well as Hilaire does, and this is Hilaire's time to prove if he is truly that franchise back that the Chiefs really think he can be. Of course, even if Damian Williams does not ever play another game in a Chiefs uniform, because this is the last year of his contract, he's going to be remembered for his performance in the Super Bowl and everything he has done for Chiefs Kingdom by helping them end the 50-year drought. But this year, it's now the focus is on Clyde Edwards-Elaire, and I'm excited to see what he can do as a lead back right away. But this is his opportunity, and he has a chance to prove that he can be the next franchise great at the running back position for the Chiefs. But more recently, the Chiefs today restructured the deal with Alex Okafor. Okafor signed a three-year, $24 million deal last offseason. But the restructure frees up over $2 million in cap space this year. And it makes him a free agent after this upcoming season. So, the restructure puts the Chiefs over $16 million in cap space. And knowing Brett Veach and all the amazing things he has done this offseason, I could see him going out and looking at, one of the top free agents of, that are still on the market, whether it be Everson Griffin, Logan Ryan, or Jadavion Clowney. Of course, the Chiefs can decide to roll over that money into next year's cap, especially with contract extensions looming like Tyron Matthew, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Mitchell Schwartz. Those are big contract extensions that the Chiefs have to look ahead to while they... While there's a dead period and before the season starts. So if they want to roll over that money, I completely understand, and that makes a ton of sense looking towards the future contract extensions that they're going to have to give out in the next couple of years. But at the same time, if they want to add depth to the cornerback position, especially with a pending suspension for starting cornerback Bashad Breland, they could go out and get Logan Ryan, who is with the Titans, or if they want to get another piece on the defensive line, They could go get Everson Griffin, who's a four-time Pro Bowler with the Minnesota Vikings. Or Jadavion Clowney, who's a former number one pick who has yet to be signed after a disappointing year in Seattle. So they have a ton of options there going forward. But the other thing that I want to mention with the Chiefs is that they have the ability to really put themselves in good cap standing... If they roll over this money, especially going forward, because the cap could take a decrease due to the COVID-19 pandemic next year. And it, to keep the $16 million that they have will be really smart. But if they want to go out and add a piece to help the cornerback room or of the defensive line, Brett Veach can make it work. He is a wizard with the cap, and he has proved that with what he did with the Patrick Mahomes contract and Chris Jones contract. So... Only time will tell, but I'm excited to see what they decide and whatever they decide as a fan I'm going to agree with and support because it's kind of a win-win situation. You add a good player and add some more depth to the team or you carry over money for your players that need contract extensions or even free agents next year. So it's really a win-win, cha- a win-win situation for the Chiefs at this time. But the last thing I really want to talk about is not Chiefs or Royals related as per the teams, but a former chief. And I want to mention Eric Berry. Eric Berry, earlier this year, said he has the intent to play the 2020 season. He is still a free agent, but with his health history of having leukemia, it may be smart for him to opt out. To opt out and take this year off and look to play a year later or next year. Because you don't want to risk your health, and he wants to make sure that he can play for more than one year. If Barry's not signed, then he just sits out another year, get healthy, and try to get signed next year. But if a team looks to sign him, he might say he's going to opt out for his health. And since he has a history of having leukemia, it may be the best thing for him. So, with that, that is going to end the second edition of the Blank Report Thank you very much for listening, and remember, a month from today is the start of the NFL season with the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, hosting the Houston Texans. But in the meantime, we've got tons of baseball, and with the Royals on fire, who knows what this team can do. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great rest of your week.